0: you're listening to addicted to growth join us each week as you we sit down with sales marketing and revenue leaders on the front lines of innovation new insights new playbooks new tech new lessons Step forward into growth and development, or backwards into safety and security. The choice is yours. Let's get into the show. So welcome back, everyone, to the Addicted to Growth show, where Kevin and I sit down with people who are innovating, who are pushing their industries forward. And today, we have Christopher Gannon, who is um, currently running Captivate Talent, Um, where he really focuses on, you know, you know, bringing people in the company, top performers, you do salespeople um, from under understanding. And um, one, just super excited to have you on, Chris. So thanks so much for joining us. And and two, just would you mind uh, sharing a little bit about like who you are and uh, correct anything that I might have uh, gone wrong with in the, the intro?
1: Oh, you, you intro sounded pretty good. It wasn't captive talent, captivate. Like, so that's, that's usually just the hook that gets people. But uh, I've been in recruiting now for aging myself 15 years, uh, Worked for some big firms, uh, then did the internal thing as a head of talent a few times for two startups, uh, and then started captivate talent with the mind of like, how do we help revenue teams scale and grow? Um, it it was a big problem when I came to my first startup and that's what our mission is. Like, how do we help these teams build from, you know, a series seed or series a company all the way up to series C or D.
2: So Chris, I, I'm really curious to get your take on this because in the sales industry as a whole, right? Like the average tenure of a sales rep is around 18 months. (laughs) Now, I think there's probably part on that on, on sales reps themselves and then also on on leadership and, and probably in hiring and hiring and where it's broken. But what do you think are some of the most contributing factors? How do we fix that?
1: You know, this is a, a silly answer, which everyone knows, but bad managers um, is probably the biggest factor that we hear um, from a candidate standpoint. You know, the, oh, my manager did this or they changed my comp plan um, halfway through the year or, you know, I think the biggest overall contributor to that though, was companies probably scaled too fast and they were pretty loose when they were doing it. So they didn't have good metrics built in. They weren't scaling to make money. They were scaling just to grow. Um, So it was a big, big, big issue.
2: Yeah. and, And I think you see a lot of that where it's a lot of funding. Let's grow by throwing a ton of, you know, people at growth and they they necessarily haven't figured out all of those, you know, whether it's indicators or metrics, like they they don't know what are those triggers to grow. So I I totally agree with that. Um, I saw a number somewhere where it says that it it costs a about $115,000 to replace a sales rep. So that's with Onboarding that's with um, lost revenues, training time, resources, everything. Which, when you hear that number, like that's a pretty startling number. How do you think? You know, because obviously there's a problem here, right? There's really, really poor tenure. There's really, really poor, uh, or really, really high cost to replace. How do we fix it? Like, wh- where where do we start?
1: Uh, I mean that that number's like I mean that's that's, that's probably on the higher end per se, but you know, it depends on who you're hiring. Like if they, you put the, the CRO in there too, and they, they factor in that with the SDRs um, that, that probably spikes that number. But you know, you look at first off that if you take like 20 sales reps over the cost of three years and like extrapolate that cost out, like how much money are you just burning? Like how much money are you paying somebody like me? to rehire your team three times over in the course of three years. Um, so I think the, the biggest problem people have is, you know, they're not building the support structure and they're, they're pushing in, you know, more, more, and more people without the support there to help them grow.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like we, we we've talked about this topic and we've kind of touched on it from a lot of different ways, but I think a lot of companies are, interested in, in, in growing revenue through adding quota, right? And I think they either too late or, or never, or not effectively add in sales operations, sales enablement, like the entire supporting cast that's going to allow your sales team to grow and to get better. Um, so I think that's something that we've seen a massive trend, especially with sales enablement folks.
1: How about learning and development? How, how many teams are trying to hire like 20, 30 reps at a clip and they don't have like an L and D team and the, the like VP of sales is supposed to ramp up all those people.
2: Right. Yeah. And then, you know, it's, it's really, it's interesting to me because I think when, when you look at the sales profession, it can be this amazing career for people. Like it can open up a lot of doors. It can give you a lot of things It can be very rewarding, very fun, very challenging. But when you look at, you know, like when you look at some of this, these, these stats, like Again, the tenure of a sales rep being 18 months and it's been declining. The average tenure of VP of sales, I think the last one I saw was like 15 months and that's down yeah. year over year. And you start looking at it and like, if, if I'm somebody coming out of college and I'm thinking about it, right. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, you're telling me every 12 to, to six to, you know, to 18 months, I'm gonna have to be looking for a new job. Like I may not want to do this.
1: Ten, 10 years ago, that resume, that like 18 month, 18 month, 18, that was like an untouchable resume. I remember like early on in my career, you would yeah. look at people like that and be like, oh man, like wish them the best of luck. I, I hope they can figure it out because you could never help somebody like that. And regretfully now, especially with the way the market's been and how hot it was the last couple of years, like that's the norm. Hiring managers are like, okay, year and a half, like that's a good stint. What'd you accomplish? And when you think about like training, onboarding, ramping up, like you can't accomplish much unless you're working like a sales cycle. That's like a one month long sales cycle or a couple weeks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The the super, yeah. Maybe, you know, again, depending on sales cycle, how transactional your average deal size, all that sort of stuff, it could, it could vary. I could see that. Um, there, there are a lot of companies I know who take a pretty hard stance on, you know, we hire somebody go through you know, the interview process, which we're going to talk a lot about, you know, but, you know, but we're going to hire somebody and we're going to put them through our onboarding and we're going to, you know, set expectations. And at 90 days, we're either going to say, yup, you've made it. Or unfortunately this is not working. Is, you know, what, A, is it still very common for, for companies to do it? Do you see it a lot? And B, what what's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, you, you know where that 90 day mark kind of comes from, right? You know why it's like 90 days from recruiters. <laughs> Guarantee yeah. period. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. That, I've got, I've had one or two of those 89th day calls in my life and they are like brutal. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, a, it's really an unfair timeline in most cases because I think for a company to really say that's fair, they, they first have to, you have to look at yourself like, do we have everything in place? to make this person successful. Do we have a sales enablement team? What's our learning and development look like? How are we onboarding these people? Um, Did we vet them out? We'll talk about interviewing later. Um, And also what's the frontline manager usually look like in sales? Like we've had the methodology for so long. Who do you promote? Your best performer. Is your best performer always the person that should be that manager at 25 years old because they rocked quota once or twice and now they're like, Managing a 23-year-old and just screaming at them to make more calls. Like, it happened a lot. It happens a lot.
2: Yeah, it's almost this sense of, like, forced growth.
1: Yeah. Oh, like, we're going to promote you in two years because to lead a team. Jesus Christ. Like, when I was 25 years old leading a team,
0: it was rough. Yeah. I mean, to that point, it it makes me think about a couple of things. And one of the things, Kev, that we chatted about a little bit was – um, this like idea of like culture and understanding, like, is like, what does that like look like in these sales orgs, right? Like if you're promoting someone just because they're a rock star and just because they can score hundred points, like, what does that do? And I'm sure you both have, you know, been watching the whole Michael Jordan documentary, right? So that's a, for me, I'm thinking like, oh, wow. Like that's like before Michael knew how to be a team player and seeing what happened in his world, right? Like he wasn't winning championships. He was winning MVPs and all these things. But until he stepped back and Phil said, Hey, like, we're going to have to get you to get other people opportunities. And once that started happening, that's where all the success started to pop in. So I think it's kind of a little ramp, but like point, like being like culture, it's all about how does this person fit in to the organization and like, do you have someone on your team that's literally Dennis Robin that'll get 20 rebounds a game? And like, is that good for your organization? Like maybe you pay him 40 grand a year to show up, just get rebounds, just to high five people around the office. <laughs> and that's what he does.
1: It, um, it's crazy when you watch that, how, how like late in career, his career Jordan was until he started doing that stuff. Like how many years they like almost made it. They like didn't quite get there. He won the MVP though. Like it took him a while. And we're flipping that around and expecting people in our world to do that in half the amount of time it took him.
0: And with less training, with less tools, with less actual awareness of where the market's going with so much, just people are being shoved into this kind of like, Hey, this is what it is. Accept it. Don't accept it. Keep like, like you're going to go somewhere else if you can't do that here. And so Kev, we kind of talked about this idea a little bit, but like the, the kind of like dating idea about how you do that hour and thirty minute call, then that two hour call, and then it's like, yo, you spend five and a half hours, and then you're gonna commit to twelve months with somebody, like, uh, yeah. If you if you
2: really look at this right, like, and I think this is one of the things that why tenure is so low, you know, and I I think look, in my opinion, there's probably there's fault on the employee. There's fault on the management. Like I think there's, it's, it's 50 50 there to, to, to an extent. But if you look at like a standard interviewing process and, and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but, cause I know you see this across a lot of different companies, but it's usually some type of like phone screen by the hiring manager or someone in HR, you get a 1 hour in person interview maybe a second maybe they pull in like a peer right another ae sdr for like the culture fit right and then there's like a presentation and then it's like okay so if you if you think of all those interactions there's probably like 3 to 4 touch points and maybe 2 to 4 hours worth of interaction and you're then going to make a decision a very very expensive decision to commit to somebody for the next 12 months, right? Like if you were, like flip that in the dating world, like you would you would never do that.
1: I, I think there, there there's two things that are actually insane about that. First off, like when you do break down the cost, like if you're using somebody like me and not like the Walmart of recruiters, like you're paying us 20, 25%, 25%, not 20 <laughs> of that person's salary. Like, you know, you're, you're throwing out for an enterprise rep, 20, 25 K. Um, and then your costs start internally beyond that. So like you're making that really expensive decision and like you, you, you said reps, Kevin, I've seen directors hired with that process. Like I've seen VPs in a very similar process And it's really because hiring and recruiting turned into such a bastardized, like, rush. I just need talent process that we're not really partnering with people anymore. It's all about even some, like, good clients we have. They're like, oh, we have, like, four recruiters working on this. And it's all about whoever can just get us a candidate the fastest.
2: And Chris, you and I have had this conversation. Like, I've I've been hit up by four different recruiters for the same role for the same company. Like, so there's, so a, that tells me that there's really no, like no relationship and commitment from employee to recruiter, right? It's literally just, I'm going to shop it. Whoever can get me the best person, the fastest wins, which, you know, it's kind of fair. I kind of see it, but I also kind of don't, it's kind of, it doesn't feel good. Right. But then the other aspect of this too, is that, both employer or both candidate and the, the, the company hiring, it's like your Instagram feed, right? You're just putting your best self forward. And you know, like Chris, when you and I've talked about this before, I think it was like, like maybe someone's got this little tick that you just never knew about that. You're like, Oh my God, this drives me insane. Like the first time you go on a long weekend with your significant other, you're like, You snore, (laughs) yeah. Like you snore like that. Like I I can't put up with that shit. Like so. It's just it's it's interesting how there's things that in our personal lives like we would never ever accept, but professionally it's a norm.
1: It it breaks down relationships on so many levels at different parts of the process. First off, like. If you're working with a recruiter and I know I got four other competitors out there, I'm going to work really, really hard for like a day, call my contacts, and then it's off my radar. Like if I find somebody, if I get lucky, if I throw it at a wall, yeah, maybe. But like, I don't want to work on a job with five other people. That's like, imagine, imagine one of your reps called and said, yeah, they're demoing seven other prospects right now. How much time are you going to tell a rep to spend on that one demo? Yeah, like, yeah oh, like, move, move to somebody who's got like a little bit more focus or a little bit more relationship. And then you said it like as a candidate, like your brand is just getting thrown around everywhere by everybody. Like you don't know how they're representing your brand on the other end of the phone. Like right? cause you haven't taken the time to work with that recruiter and spend time for them to understand who your culture is, what you're about, what your, you know, values are. So they're just going out there and they're just flinging jobs at people and they're hoping it sticks too. So it's, it's this rush and bad, bad, bad process. And that's not even talking about the interview process. That's just finding people.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. What
1: Chris, quick question.
0: What would you say people could do to revamp their playbook when it comes to this bad process that we're talking about right now?
1: I mean, the first thing you'd, uh, I mean, you know, not to talk about the time we're in now by any means, but like right now, stop what you're doing, reevaluate and find out where your relationships are. Like really build a relationship. If you're, this could apply to anything, but if you're working with a partner in some sort, like dig into that relationship, build that relationship now when things are a little bit slower, because, you know if i'm working if i know a client's relying on me and i'm exclusive with them i will go stand in the highway and stop traffic for them if i'm not in that situation i'm just going to find out whoever's going to pay me first and whoever wants my candidate first like it's just you're just going to shop around the candidate too mm-hmm. but if i'm exclusive with somebody you are going to get my best person you will get them first uh but I think people need to back up even further than that and say, what's wrong with my hiring process? Why did the last three or four people not work out?
0: Can, can I- we go deeper on that please? Cause yeah, that's yeah. something I don't think a lot of people think about. Cause I was reading this same thing as you kind of do research constantly. And I saw that like 86% of marketers thought that they had a great strategy. And like, even to that point, I'm like, cause
1: who are you surveying to get these results? <laughs> sounds like a stat made up by a marketer,
0: right? Yeah, Uh, yeah. facts,
1: (laughs) super facts.
0: Um, But yeah, can you go
1: deeper on that? Like, oh. So like what, I don't think people ever stop and say like, why didn't that work out? Like what went wrong there? And like back to your dating analogy, like do people really spend time or were we just trying to get somebody in the door? Like honestly, were, were we just trying to hit a board number, a manager number, a quota number, or were we like, yes, I am in lock and step with this person. I want to go to war with them.
2: That's it. Right. Like I think that to me is the, there's pressure, whether it's from a board, whether it's from the top, whether it's from investors, whoever. Right. But there's so much money being pumped into technology companies today. And don't get me wrong if I'm an investor, I want to obviously see my return. And but they're so far detached, like I don't care how you do it. I don't care how many people have to hire and fire necessarily. I just want to see my return. So there's crazy pressure all the way from the top that says, go hire these people, right? You got to go hire what 30, 40, 50 salespeople in the next 12 months. It's it's this rush job. And what's not happening is it's, it's like transactional dating, not actually building relationships and finding, quote-unquote, the one, right? Because it's, it's too much of a volume play. It's too much of, like, do 30 interviews a week and,
1: you know, how do you, how do you learn from it? They, they talk about, like, technology in our space all the time and they're like, oh, it's like the Tinder for recruiting or it's a platform that's just going to push the 10 candidates to you, like – how like create like i mean i'm sure there's somebody out there that met their wife on tinder but like that is not what it's used for but people still apply that for recruiting they're like oh yeah let me just swipe on a few people and maybe that'll be the person
2: and it's funny because the technology is almost taking this issue and making it worse right and i'm not trying to like shit on hr tech companies right now right because i think a lot of them do a lot of great stuff but they're all delivered or they're all designed to drive more candidates, better candidates. Like it's making the interview process or candidate exposure, like more accessible. Right. So as that space is growing, it's almost compounding the problem.
1: Like You, you want to like scheduling all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, innovate that, like take it off my plate too. But like if you're trusting like a resume just to pop up and you're just going to hire that person and you think that's how easy it is, like, again, take, take a step back and look at what went wrong and that's what people don't want to do they don't want to look at like oh our three-step phone screen presentation demo was like perfect (laughs) yeah did you show them where the bathroom was like did they know where they're gonna sit did they know what the office looks like on a day that's full versus not full like did you demo your product for them like do you know how many times i've never seen that happen in a process like oh yeah i'd love to see the product (laughs) i'm like wait, no one showed you the product yet. I work for a company where I never saw the product. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is
2: nuts. Um, Yeah. I mean, and again, like as you, as you start to look at why it's so it's, it's blatantly broken. It's like you start to think about like, how do you start to fix this? And I think another stat I saw was sales as a whole has the highest voluntary turnover, right? So Reps on their own accord are leaving themselves. And it's typically like, first thing I saw from what you say, Chris, like bad manager, right? Which is like subjective, right? Okay. But that's their reason bad manager. Someone else threw more money at them, which is always going to happen because, you know, some companies get crazy funding and they don't care what they pay. Others are a
1: little bit more, you know. Yeah, that, that's all stopping pretty, pretty quickly probably. Yeah, days.
2: right, yeah. Um, but then the others are things like, I'm not getting promoted quick enough or, you know, I don't see a path to promotional, that sort of stuff. Whoa. What do you do when you're talking to a candidate, right? Cause I know, and, and, and I've been one of your candidates before, so I know this, but I know you, you've tried to paint the reality, right? Like you're not trying to, like, you have no equity to try and, you know, paint this sense, this false sense of like great culture. Then you walk in and no one's there, right? Like, but kind of talk through, like when you're talking to a candidate, maybe it's questions for them to ask things to look for, how do you try to sit, like level set that reality for, for your candidates?
1: So, I mean, I would say though, that that is probably regretfully a little unique for our industry, which is sad that that's like a little bit of a USP for us. Like, Hey, we're like pretty transparent with you. Like that's crazy in recruiting. Yeah. That's why recruiting's broken. Like people just can't be honest. But I mean, at the end of the day, like it's a long game. So yeah. you have to be honest with people because then they're not going to turn into your clients later. But you know, candidates have to dig into culture and they have to, it's crazy to say candidates should demand anything right now because it's a client driven market all of a sudden, but like clients should be doing this too. Like they should be at an, they should be at an office for three hours. Like that shouldn't, shouldn't be like this big use of time and resources. If you're, if you're building the right funnel of candidates and you're doing the right, you're partnering with the right, whether it's your internal recruiter or an external recruiter, to get you maybe the top four people for your company, you should be ready to invest a couple of hours for them to be in your office and meet the whole team that they're working with. You should have enough time to take them out to lunch, especially if you're in a sales role and they're going to be doing that with, with like, what if the guy eats with his hands? What, what, if, what if the girl, like, goes crazy on the waiter because they bought him the wrong, like, Entree or something like that. Like, you should invest that time with people, and that like I can't remember the last time a client's like, "Oh, we're gonna take them to lunch."
0: Yeah, yeah, I it's interesting. Okay. No, you go, man. No, I was just gonna say, like, on the opposite side too, from like a candidate perspective, like one of the things that I always do, and I, I have a bad habit of this, is I ask questions that like most people don't want to answer. So I'll straight up be in a sales interview. I'm like, "Yeah, hey, what's the LTV of your customer?" And they'll look at me like, um, yeah, so like we don't usually give those numbers away. And then old me <laughs> should have realized like, bro, run, right? Like if the sales team doesn't want to give me these numbers, then like there's some, there's some fishiness happening, right? And on the flip side, it's like when I go too deep, I'm like, hey, can I get a meeting with the CEO? Or can I get a meeting with someone that's on the executive team? I literally will get like, well, they're really busy. And like looking back, I'm like, yo, you, you had the questions, you just didn't get the answers. So you felt awkward in the process because you're asking like really good questions after I'm looking back at hindsight, but you're not getting the answer. So it's just kind of like, if you ask good questions and they don't answer, think about that and realize that like your potential is going to be put into a certain level to be achieved at that company. And you have to either be okay with saying, yeah, I'm going to stick it out. And like, I know this is my lily pad to the next thing, right? Like, that's where I stop for now. Or you say, okay, there's enough limits for me to think like, oh, wow, I actually have room to grow because they actually taught me stuff that I didn't know in the interview process.
1: Transparency is one of the most mind blowing things of why it doesn't exist in the process. And you know, to be honest, I've, I've probably lost a deal or a candidate or two in my last couple of years because I was overly transparent. But at the end of the day, you know, you put somebody in a job or you hire somebody in a, in a role and they're not the right person. Like you, like from a call, co- like, let's not even talk about the financial costs, like emotionally, Kevin, as a leader, like, what does that drain? How much, like, you know, when you're going to fire somebody well before you actually do it, we, we're all guilty of like not firing people in a quick enough time. Or, you know, when somebody's has their foot up, like, what's that do to you every day? Emotionally,
2: You know what though? Like, and this is like the the reality of it is this is, is there's, there's stresses from multiple angles or multiple vantage points here because you're obviously getting pressured or, or, or stressed to explain, justify why is this person not performing? You are, you know, and, and look like at the end of the day, I can confidently say that I've, I've hired everyone. I've hired in my career are good people. They may not, may not have worked for whatever reason that may be right. They're not always going to work, but I've hired good people. Right. And the thing that I think sometimes is, is just overlooked. It's like you're messing with someone's livelihood. Right. So if you are pressured to hire, or if you, like, if you're, if you're pressured to just rush and sacrifice the, the process, like whatever it may be, you hire somebody, Like we all know this and we've been doing this long enough. People don't just are, they're not just successful because of hope and optimism. That's not a strategy, right? It is all the resources you put into them, all the resources you have at your exposure, all this kind of stuff. So there's also just that element of like, you know what? Like I I hired you for a reason, good or bad. It may not be working out, but you're a good person at the end of the day. And I know that this is going to mess with your livelihood there are those stories you do hear of like getting fired from that job was the best thing that happened to me. And I think like optimistically you have to hope for that. But again, like it doesn't always, it doesn't always play out that way.
1: How much does it suck though? Like, like firing a bad person. I've had like, I think I fired a bad person in my career. It's like, you're like, you're you're a jackass. Like, I fired you because, you know, you just can't. Bad culture, you make everybody around easy, you work. Easy, easy, yeah. easy. But how much does it suck, that person? I literally, I had, to, I cried once when I fired somebody. I, I, had to, I had this girl on my team. She was the hardest worker in the world, and it just did it. She just couldn't hit her numbers. And, like, I literally sat there. And it's funny because her father called me out about it at her wedding in front of everyone. But, like, it sucks to fire good people. And, like, you're trying to figure out how you missed – And honestly, if I look back on it, she wasn't right for the job, but we were under pressure. We needed to, we literally had an internal headcount number that I had to hit. And it was part of my bonus, which is crazy to tie a financial bonus into that.
2: That's where the, you know, as, as we're talking to people, what is just so evident to me today, it's just like, what people are measured on how performance is measured what the the incentive how people are incentivized like it's all wrong right like like when we talked with like chris walker about marketing it's like it's vanity metrics and it it's all of these you know like marketing is is shooting at the wrong target and and that's what's creating this these clashes it's the same thing on the hiring front right it's adding quota it's tied to bonuses it's tied to you know and like to an extent you're like this is my li- my my livelihood too and so it, it's it's a really
1: it, tough thing it, it looks good because you know we grew by 300 percent. i mean i literally think um, last year posted we grew by 300 percent. i got more like likes on linkedin and i'm like we were like a three person company and we grew to like 6 or seven. like it wasn't like that big of a deal (laughs) (laughs) but it it seemed like I was like running Facebook like people were like oh my (laughs) god 300% like and it was a revenue goal too but like we were a startup so it wasn't again that big of a deal but like yeah that's what people look at and those are the, the shiny like little things that like excite them like oh you you grew 25 people this quarter great how many of them will be there next quarter yeah I think that's
0: a a huge point. And one, I just picked up a book uh, for people. I'm doing my nerding thing in here. For anybody that's looking to learn um, right now, this book by Jim Cook that came out um, not that long ago. And one of the things in there, they talk about methods, mindset, and motivation. And so I I bring this up because I'm like, hmm, Chris, what would a – hiring process that had method, mindset, and motivation due to the future of kind of keeping talent for the long run. Like, let's just talk about that for a second.
1: Like, you know, they, they say there's all the things like, you know, Richard Branson, take care of your people. They take care of your customers. Or if you have like the right people, like they'll go to war with you. Like you could have the best product in the world. We've seen this. I mean, Kevin, we, we have definitely seen this. You have a great product, but you have terrible leadership that can't execute. Like, it falls apart. It doesn't matter how good your idea is if you can't grow your company. Like, I think growing and scaling from a personnel standpoint is the number one overlooked thing in the startup world. And it's the Achilles heel for most companies. Because you're, you're done. You can't... Most people don't have a product good enough just to sell itself.
2: Yeah, I this is to me the like the foundation of successfully growing sales and revenue it is 100% people i've seen a shitty product be sold by great people right you can have an amazing strategy bad people executing you're going to fall apart good people can overcome anything it can overcome bad product it can overcome bad strategy bad, even bad leadership right? Like I think you can have a bad, and I've seen it. I've seen bad leaders have a great sales team because collectively the people are great.
1: It, in the, it's, and it's not about, and I think that's part of the problem. Like we, we just experienced like this length of time that was just so good. People didn't think about hiring for the bad, like when it was tough, like everyone was just hit these metrics, put somebody in a seat, get them a phone. We'll just give them an email cadence. They'll eventually just hit something. And they're going to create revenue because that's our model right now. But I remember the last recession. I mean, recruiting is not a great business to be in during recession. It's like probably one of the top five worst. Uh, like I, I remember one or two of the people we had on the team. I remember my boss and we all just kind of like locked arms and we got through it because we had the right people and parts of those that that business still exist today because the right people were in place 10 years ago for it. And like, that's how you have to, you have to hire people to go to war with, even when it's good.
2: Yeah. And you know what? There, especially in sales, you're going to have, you're going to have your amazing years, your good years, your, your good quarters, your bad quarters. Like it, it it's never going to necessarily always be perfect. Right. And so I think a, Understanding that aspect, like when you've got a good, like hold on to that, like hold on to that. And hopefully that's one thing that can reduce these really short tenures and, and, and things of that nature. But on the flip side of it, when you have the wrong people, I also think about it from a timing perspective. Like if you hire a bad bunch of people, do you know how long it takes to rebound from that? Like think about it this way, right? Day one, you hire somebody they're going to be in that role anywhere from three to six months at the absolute earliest, right? Before you're like, okay, you know what? This isn't really working. You may have your process of performance improvement plans that's going to go on for another. So really you're probably in there between six and nine months. Then you need to hire somebody else. So the time to, 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 you know, recruit and interview and hire onboard and train and get them fully ramped up. You could lose a year and a half before you even realize it a year and a half of revenue because you made a bad hiring decision.
1: Is it weird that we're in this time of like instant gratification and we always think about the now, but when we make those bad people, they delay that reward for us by years, years. And you think about If I told somebody like it's going to be two years till you get promoted, they'd look at me and be like, no way. I can't wait that long. But you make one bad hire, that's going to kill you for two years. They'll be like, Oh, okay
2: one of the best, one of the best piece of advice that has ever been given to me on the recruitment piece. Uh, and Chris, you know, Mike Stankis, I mean, an amazing, amazing dude. Yeah, me too. (laughs) But he, he, when, when, when we would, um, look to hire people, he would flat out say, he's like, are you willing to bet your career on this person? Right? Like if you're willing to bet your career on this person, Dude, the first time he asked me that, I was like, Ooh, I used to <laughs> let, I, I used to like this candidate, but I was like, I'm not willing to bet my career on this person. And he was like, then we don't hire him. And it was like, you know, and so to me, that's what I go back to. Right. And it, it's not always perfect, but it's a really good gut check on, are you making the right decision? Are you not make, or, or maybe are you, you, you're jumping the gun and hoping a bit more.
1: You know, you know, it's funny and Kevin, you, you know, this, I mean, f- when I started the business, like part of my hook was our, our last tagline is attract hire retain. And the retain piece was all about like us sitting down with these teams and these hiring managers and leveraging my experience from the startup world and saying like, Hey, this works. This doesn't work. This is what we've seen. Here's how we're going to help you build out your process. Do you know in three years, how many people actually have taken us up on that? You offer it to everyone, like two clients, maybe three, I think. And probably one of them actually implemented and went along with it. And it's just because people were in this mad gold rush for a candidate. And reference checks, like, we have two clients that do reference checks. Two, could you imagine hiring somebody that could, like, sit next to you and you don't do a reference check on them? I myself was guilty of it. I don't reference check a candidate. I was just like, oh, probably should have reference check that person a little deeper than the one person who referred them to me. Yeah,
2: like yeah. There, there's, I think, there's a lot of uh, uh, skipped skipped steps, right? And there's things like once you start to say it, it just sounds so logical, right? But then when you're in the thick of it, it's like, "So we got to hit. We got to get this number in. We got to do this, that, whatever." And so it's like, "Go, go, go."
1: And don't get me wrong. Like every recruit, when you're like, "Oh, they're like, what are like, oh, why do you have to do reference checks?" You met I'm like, like that. That's what you're gonna get. But like, it's the right thing to do. And like, we've had a client or two uncover some stuff that we couldn't figure out in a reference check and they backdoor to Canada and they're like, whoa, no, like we can't hire this person. And you don't, you don't get frustrated. The right person shouldn't get frustrated over that. Like you should be okay that that's your client. And if it's the right client, you have a really good relationship with them and you're happy that you didn't put that time bomb in the middle of their company. Cause that's what a, that's what a bad employee is. Somebody that's going to burn resources, not make revenue on the sales side and probably kill culture. And if you're not hiring for culture, like you're, that's not the first mindset when you go into an interview process, culture, how do we interview for that? How do we screen for that? All right, next. What's the next thing we screen for? Like without culture, you're done. We've all had a non-culture fit in the office before. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Oh yeah. We I man, I definitely have been one of those people where I'm like the things you guys care about are completely different than what I care about. And when you go through that as like a human, you're just kind of like, "Hmm. What what's wrong with me?" But then you think, you're like, "Wait a minute, the people that are on this team are in different stages of their lives. This is more important. This is what motivates them and that's like one key thing that I, I don't think a lot of people are considering when they go to places like to to say no to a company and then go to the company and then realize that it's not a good fit it's like that is your fault candidate like you should have thought about that and now you're like okay well how do i how do i make sure that when i go somewhere that i am like thinking about like hey could i actually like grab a beer with this person on a thursday or would this be, like, a whole group of people that I legit would not even touch a beer with? Like, a beer. Like, I'm not talking, like, sharing an office. I'm like, you can't even do a casual beer with these
1: people. It's like sitting at the long, wrong lunch table in high school where you're just like, ooh, like, this is not, not my seat. Sorry, guys. But it, but it's true. That grab a beer, that go out to lunch with some, the, the team, like, how often is that not happening because – people were rushed. People were pressured to hit these these growth targets because that's how they were measured. Like you were measured by headcount and not revenue like Kevin. That's insane. When's the last time you got a huge commission check because you hired 20 people, but you missed your goal by
2: 50%. It's insane. But it's that's how you're hiring. Yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly it. Yeah. It, it's, it's broken. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And again, I think like, you know, like there's like I said, I think that there's definitely things that companies can do better with their, with their, their process with, you know, bringing candidates in more. Like I literally, as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking about, and I was like, what if I had like a, a day where just, I had candidates come in and just like for half a day, observe, come to team meetings, sit in on -on one-on-ones, you know, jump on a sales call and listen, you know, like that level of exposure, because if you think about it, right. Like that's how we build these relationships in life as, as just people. Right. And like when you t- talked about like, you know, having to like get in the trenches in the recession, go armor and armor and like go to battle and fight through a really difficult time. That's cause there's a, there's a bond there. There's a relationship built there. Right. And that's what's going to allow companies to really grow and scale, whether it's good times or bad. But how can you get that in like three hours of, of, of an interview process?
1: And three, like very broken, segmented, isolate. like the HR person's screening probably isn't weighing in and asking the same questions as like the frontline managers the next round. And then the VP sitting there with his thumb, like thumbs up or thumbs down. And I think I just did a, did a television thing for radio and that's not what you're supposed to do. But, you know, like, like gladiator, like they're like at the end, and you're like, what the hell is this? And then like the crazy thing is then maybe the CEO gets involved. And you're like, okay, like I've had a CEO nix somebody in 15 minutes. And I'm like, you have a VP of sales that you don't trust. And that's, that's, that's what you just showed everyone. Like, you don't know you did that because you're not self-aware, but you just nixed a a staff level AE on your VP of sales. Like, whoa.
2: Uh, I'll tell you, man, there's you know, there's, there's that type of ripple effect that these broken processes have. Like because if, if you can't all collectively get on the same page or someone's going to overrule someone else's decision, you can tell it. There's a lack of, there's a lack of trust and respect, which again, could have a a pretty, pretty impactful um, ripple effect there. I'll tell you, man, one of my, one of my favorite recruitment stories of all time this is a really, really long time ago. We were hiring a bunch of salespeople. And this is back when they brought us like a stack of, a stack of resumes that must've been like three encyclopedias just like all stacked. up. I mean, this was like a
1: huge stack of Printed resumes. Printed from monster, not creator other. right. Yep. Brother, right. Yeah. Hey,
2: yeah, right. And it was me and a handful of sales managers that we were, all, we were all in there hiring. And it was, well, how are we gonna go through all of these? And one of the sales managers, he stood up basically like cut the deck, picked up the top half of the resumes and he threw them in the garbage and he goes, uh, we don't hire unlucky people.
1: Yeah. Oh, cringe. And right. He, like, but like, like where did he see, he stole that from somewhere. You know, he, he have like, it was, it was too
2: movie picture esque, right? Like wall but,
1: street, something like yeah.
2: that. Yeah. But it was one of those things where it was like, right, right away. We were, we just looked at, we, I mean, there must've been a thousand resumes in that pile and we're like, we can't go through those. So we just took half and we put them aside, Dude, the the world's greatest best salesman ever could have been in that top half. Like who who knows, right? Like,
1: you it's know, insane. You know, I I have there uh, sometimes when I I have a VC that I'm close to, and we chit chat about this stuff. I'm like, why don't you guys just talk to recruiters that like work with these companies? Like they'll tell you all the stuff that's going on. They'll tell you, oh, we've hired this team four times, and it's because the CEO is a psychopath and there's no product and it's broken. Like. <laughs> They know all that stuff. So it, when you look at hiring and you dismiss it as this like everything, culture, product, like uh, growth, it's all tied into like how growth and hiring is happening at these companies. And if it's wrong, the company's not going anywhere. There's a lot of companies stuck at like a hundred people.
2: That's and it's a new, to me. there's like a new 30 people. It's at a hundred, but it's a, it's a rotating hundred
1: there's stats you can pull on LinkedIn if you have like their upgraded account where you can see how companies grow. And it's like, wow, you've, you've added this percentage of people every year, but you're the same amount of employees for the past three years. And it's like, Ooh, and you know, turnover is inevitable. You can't beat turnover, but when you're hiring against turnover, that's when you're in the wrong, you're playing the wrong game. If you're, if you're hiring with turnover and retention and you're fighting against it every day, you're, you're playing the wrong game.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, as, you're, as you guys were talking about some of these things, like, Kevin, to your half a day open office hours and then to both your points about being able to go to war with people and betting your career on somebody, like, as I'm saying these out loud – and I'm like, for the companies that are stuck at that, like, 100 person, they realize that they have to hire 20 to then fire 15 next quarter, and it's just kind of what happens. Like, really, if you are listening to this, like, one, we are calling you out. Um, but two, like, think about why, back to Chris's earlier point, like, why this process is not working for you. Like, this is really the time to look internally and say, like, Is our business model right? Is our product right? And instead of finding ways to burn through cash, like think about how you can reallocate where you're spending your money and think about how you can potentially pivot and save some money to give yourself another maybe two or three months of lifeline before you have to make a harder decision than you
1: have to when it comes up on you. So just some nuggets. It's funny, you look at companies like Microsoft and they just keep getting better. And why it's the same. Like we all talk about the sales leaders always talk about building a repeatable process and they, they focus on revenue for that. But like if you take that same concept and say, we need to build a really strong repeatable process, we need to bring in, you know, everyone brings in consultants when they need to do sales consulting, but they never want to talk to somebody about their hiring process. Uh, If you build a really strong repeatable process there, it ensures your company's livelihood for the future. And then you always have those A players coming in and out there's a reason why, you know, oh, somebody's coming out of Facebook. We want to hire them because you know, they've been vetted already. It's us being lazy actually, because we know a better company that has a better process than us vetted that person. And that's why we want to hire them.
2: You know what? And it's so funny. You go to this like repeatable, predictable, scalable process. And I think people overlook the fact that like they look at hiring salespeople almost like yeah, just add the cog into the machine and it's going to spit out the 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 same result because we have this predictable, repeatable process. And I think what you know, and like you just kind of like the, the measuring sticks like they, they're pretty good, right? Like they're just as good as people we got out there, right? And it's like like it's just it's broken. And I'll tell you again, like just going back to the phrase because I I can't stress it enough. There has been times where I've interviewed somebody and. I had to go fight to get approval on that, that role. Like I'm getting that additional headcount added in and the times where I've gone and said, I will bet my career on somebody. And I had conviction. Like I would have bet my career on this person. It has worked out right. Like when I'm like gun to head gut check, I will hundred percent bet my career. on This person, I, I can find emails where I'm going for approval on this. And I, I say that in the email, those people work out.
1: I think yeah. so few people are willing to bet their career on somebody else.
0: Ah, man, you took the words out of my mouth Is that brain. what you're saying? I'm sorry. Uh, but no, it's true. No, but it's facts though. And th- like to both sides, like A, like for the people listening that are in, in market, right? Like would you have someone else bet their career on you? And if they struck out, like they would lose everything. Think about that. And then flip side, the people that you're about to bring in your company, would you literally bet your career on them, red or black? Like, would you do that? And if the answer is yes, we're not talking to you. But if it's I mean, no, ooh, let's have a conversation.
1: We, we see this application though in like the elitist of the elite in the world. Like you look at, why is Navy, why is it so hard to be a Navy SEAL? Why? Because when but, shit hits the fan and everything is blowing up around you, you wanna make sure you have the best person next to you to get you through that. So like, you know let's let's tone that down a little bit because hopefully nothing's like blowing up around us at work but like why aren't we trying to find the best people to work we're just trying to find anyone to work next to us and that's why this whole process is just down the drain it's in the gutter recruiting hit nope. an all-time low recently
2: no way and it's interesting like just going off the oh. example
0: a fuzzy 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 oh, fuzzy and he can usually go like maybe 55 as soon as we hit like an hour. His microphone's like, nah, Kev. It gets tired. It gets tired. Yeah, here we go. You're good. Yeah, but you
2: know, like you just go, kind of riffing off the Navy SEAL example, look at how much training and investment goes into that very, very few percentage of people, right? And it's like, you know, and and again, it's, it's, there's mindset, there's all sorts of stuff, but the amount of investment that goes into those individuals is
1: you can understand why they're like the 1%. It's It's—it's insane the investment that I had a buddy that just went to ranger school at like 31, which Jimmy Hughes, if you hear this man, congrats for doing that at 31 years old. That's but insane. like we didn't hear from him for like 60 days. And that was just like to get through the initial screening. Like we need to apply these same like aspects like, you need to really lock down your recruiting process and you need to make sure you like, if you want to win, you want to hire a top talent and you want to find partners to do that with. And you want to make sure your internal teams align and you ensure like, you know, when they do that Navy SEAL training, like every instructor has a role in every, every aspect of it. So they're like, Hey, you're making sure everyone's okay. Which might be Kevin. Hey, you're making sure everyone's a culture fit.
2: Yeah. But you know, and then to that that point, right? Like you you said the word screening before, right? I don't know the last time I got formally trained on interview. Ooh. Right. So like, again, think about it. And and you're bringing a lot of people that, that get involved in an interview process. And I can give you interview questions, but I think the art of interviewing is real. And how you phrase questions, it can be the change of one word that literally makes a dramatic change to the, the, the way in which somebody's going to answer a question. And, you know, how do you kind of unpeel that layer with people? When, how do you know when to dig a little bit deeper, you know? And, you know, so I, again, like I think the art of interviewing, when you're a hiring manager in a sales role, I don't, I don't know a ton of companies training people on that.
1: Kevin, let me ask you this. If three months ago in the height of the world being busy and good. If I said, Hey man, I want to come in for three hours and do some interview training with you. I'm more no. Would yes. you say, yeah, we have three. My, I can get my managers. I can get my, my HR people. We'll do three hours of interview training.
2: Uh do you, you're a hundred percent right.
0: I was about to say, you're going to be lying. If you say yes, Kevin. I'm going <laughs> to call you out right here on this.
2: It will wait. Hold on. If Chris is asking me, of course I say yes. If it's anybody else, I say no way. I don't got time for that, but you're right. You're right.
1: Me and Amanda just had a conversation. It's it's actually on our website that says like candidate interview training for managers. And we're like, should we take this off? No, one's actually ever, we, we talk to people about it all the time and no one actually Ever wants to put the investment into
2: it i'm telling you man, I think there, there needs to be like a like an evolution of like how do we how do we change this stuff man like for for the better of people for the better of companies like it's just it, it sounds crazy but it's just it's so broken
1: well let, let me so sales leaders let me flip it back to you if i tell you to read predictable revenue like you've all read it like to not like everyone recommends it everyone's predictable revenue okay if i told you to read a book on hiring and recruiting why, why, why is there that like disconnect of like, this is important. This will get me to the of, promised land.
0: It's the small piece instead. Cause like what happens is, is to you recruiting's the world, right? I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. outside of Chris, right? It's Chris. And then there's recruiting and then like, you know, all this other stuff, but like, to those managers again, I'm speaking for you, Kevin. But you correct me if I'm off. It's it's literally this piece of the process that they know it's a part of getting someone in to help them do their job better. So it, it's like it's a line item. So they, that
1: that little piece, though, it's like that that hole in the Death Star that they like shoot that missile down. It's like it blows the whole thing up. It's like that that small little tiny gap, that little thing. It affects what they do every single day. Uh, you don't have good people. You go to work, Kevin. You are not in a good mood yeah
0: also to be fair i mean kev do you have time like to be do you have time to read a book about uh hiring like
2: you you know it's funny like if if you tell me hiring maybe maybe not right but after this conversation a hard yes of course (laughs) but like but like but no but i think you know like i i think a lot of I think a lot of people are out there reading books about how to build culture, how to build your tribe. Like, you know, I think there are some of those, you know, unique softer skill type, you know, books, but again, right now, we talked about the short tenure of like a VP of sales, but then you start to look at the the head of like the VP of sales role today and it's like, okay, well, should you be reading books on copywriting because you need to have your reps write and, and, and communicate and message better. Or is it on closing? Is it on negotiation? Is it on like social media? Yeah. Is it social selling? Like where, where does it begin and end? And I'm again, I think it should be a lot, but it goes back to like, you can be a average Joe across, you know, 15 different categories or responsibilities, or you can kind of prioritize and be like, I'm going to be great at these four things. And, again, to me, if, if if I were to start all over again right now, I I think my, my big thing, it's like uh, uh, one of my four pillars of just being absolutely amazing at is building based off good people.
0: I think this could be an interesting place to kind of think about what sort of skills and Chris, I'd be curious on how you would put something together with this, uh, i guess objective like what sorts of skills can you start to put in this like new skill of future growth marketing revenue bucket that people are starting to realize is a thing um, like one of our next guests that we're having on here is is he runs a growth department right and he talks about sales and marketing and revenue and so like thinking about the skills that these people are going to have it's like well Like, yes, you need to take some talent. Yes, you need to take some closing. Yes, you need some pipeline generation. Yes, you need social media. Like, what would that look like to you? Like, what are some of the skills that you either see in candidates or that, you know, companies might not think that they need to look out for?
1: So I I think the age old one that is always going to be there is like coachability. Like everyone wants to hire for coachability. No one ever actually tests for it, but like everyone wants to hire for it. Um, Kevin, we, I think you've said this before, like curiosity, like dive into what somebody does and find it that they're passionate about or curious about something. It could be work related. Maybe they are super passionate and that's great. But like, what books are they reading? Like, how are they trying to upskill themselves and learn? Because that will be the person that Azure industry innovates, I think, will innovate with it as sales evolves, as it changes, as the market changes. But you look at things too, like I have somebody on my team who's awesome at Canva. Like four years ago, I didn't know what Canva was and she's awesome at Canva. And it is actually an advantage for her compared to her colleague that can't use it. Like she could put out cool awesome things on Instagram, on LinkedIn all the time that catch our client's eyes, you know, push out a really cool, nice email to them. That's like, sets our part. And like, did you ever think you would interview a salesperson or a recruiter for Canvas skills? Now I do. Cause you just said that.
2: No, but like the, the thing you, the thing you said, which is interesting is on the coachability side, everybody wants it, but no one can, no one tests for it. Right. Like no one's screening for their level of coachability, necessarily, um, you know, curiosity to me is always huge. Like I'll, I'll tell you, especially from a uh, you know a sales development perspective. But I, I I hired an SDR who he just uh, again like the 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 interview didn't feel like an interview. The inter, the interview felt like a really cool conversation. It felt like a like this, like just kind of going back and forth, right? Like I didn't hammer one side with questions. He didn't hammer to me. It was just a conversation that organically took place. And like at the end of it, I was like, I was like, you're a thinker, like, you know, like you, and like, it was just like through storytelling, he was able to talk about, Oh yeah. Like, you know, like a colleague of mine, like we found this really interesting and we kind of thought about this way. And then like, you know, like, so the collaboration he had, but just the curiosity and the thinking, I was like, you're going to bring a different level of thought to how we communicate our value prop and how we message and how we talk to our clients. And because you're going to really think about like, how do we connect all these dots, and how, what's an, you know an effective way or a simple way, you know to to get that across. And I'll tell you, you know, like the the, the messaging and the it's it's very new. It's different than what we've seen in the company. And it's it's it's, it's pushing everyone forward. It's great
1: they're almost like the person that you give like a template to and they're like oh that's cool and then they come back to you like three days later and you're like wow that's really good man yeah yeah let me go show this to my boss (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly exactly coachability man it's 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 disheartening sometimes like we we ask people to do like these presentations sometimes like my my number one pet peeve is like hey look at our website give us a presentation it's not like let me sit you in on this product demo for 45 minutes and then like regurgitate some of us back
0: you know and here's a whole folder of presentations it's crazy like i'm looking i like i I like laugh sometimes because i'm like if if recruiters knew how much of a I have a, a library of resources from interviews from cadences that I've built out for companies. Like, legitimately. Right. I'm like, uh, for me, it's like, oh, but like thinking about it, I'm like, yo, I literally have multiple interviews where I have a full blown. I'm like, you might as well ask me to come in here and be the VP of sales with what you just asked me to do. It's like, straight up. Because you're asking me the, this product. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything like literally don't know anything about what you're doing. I'm gonna go and create an outbound cadence. I'm gonna pick 10 target accounts, build you a list, find all the personas, write the messaging, write a three to five email sequence of never touching your industry, and then I'm gonna drop it to you. And then you're gonna be like, hey, you just didn't seem like you were the right fit. And I'm like, Do you know what you just asked someone to do? <laughs>
1: No, they don't they have no idea. No idea. Oh. You, you know, it's funny. We we had we had a candidate get an offer and it was a really tough client and they, they called us back. They're like, she just gets us, she knows what we do, she understands us. And we called the candidate back, We're like, Oh yeah, it seems like you're so online, understand their product and everything. And she's like, Not really, but I just really copied their brand colors from their website and just dropped everything in there from the website. And she's like And that's what they fell in love. They fell love. And they're like, she we had other candidates in that same process that were super technical from the industry, but we saw their presentations and they weren't like on brand. Wow. Sometimes it's all about your color palette. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I think
0: that's uh, I think that's an interesting spot to to wind down on as we like think about because like two things one I'm thinking about, A. Like for people that are either hiring or, um, for candidates that are out there, like quick, uh, words of guidance or wisdom for them based off of what they're going through right now, Chris,
1: for clients that are hiring, well, Hey, if like, you should be always looking for good talent, but find out what happened to your last few hires that didn't work out. Take a step back. Call somebody who knows what they're doing. It doesn't matter if it's a recruiter or a CEO that scaled effectively, a VP of sales that grew up their company by 300%, tighten up your hiring process. Find out how to build a strong, repeatable process where you can all agree on what you're hiring for and what an end product looks like. Uh, and for candidates, ask good questions. Don't be afraid. Get the answers that you want. Make sure things are transparent. Don't be fooled by just a couple bucks being thrown at you for a short term opportunity. Like always think about, is this role, like take that 18 months and throw it out the window. Like is this role good for me for the next four or five years? Is this going to be a place? Do I like these people for the next four or five years? Can I sell this product?
2: So you got to see the product too,
1: right? (laughs) ask uh, Ask to see the product. Like if you can't get a product demo, in an interview process, oh, God. Like, show them how it works, people. And if you can't, if you're embarrassed to show them how it works, you shouldn't be hiring. It's a sign.
2: It's
0: a sign. That's a super fact. Love it. And, Chris, where can people uh, go to connect with you and your company if they're looking to uh, learn a little bit more?
1: Uh, I mean, CaptivateTalent.com is the easy web domain that I got a couple of years ago. So CaptivateTalent.com or find me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm at. it's where I like to be.
0: Thanks for listening to Addicted to Growth. If you learn something new, don't be shy. Let people know. The best way to learn a new skill is to practice. Day in and day out. Go execute something you just learned this week with your community. Until next time.